Welcome to Mud 79. I'm Fearless Fred Kennedy, the creator of this totally original and in no way authorized Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably love Star Wars. I do too, and have always dreamed about telling my own story in a galaxy far, far away. A story that's less about the Jedi Temple and more about those who were on the front lines. A boots-on-the-ground story about how those living in the galaxy survive the horrors of war. That's what Mud79 is all about. If you're new to the show, welcome, but please be aware this is a series. So if you don't want to be totally lost, start from the beginning with episode one. You don't want to be a stormtrooper. This is episode 13. Somehow they returned. It's our most desperate hour. Camp Vibus has fallen. It's armory looted. The Kenyan stores taken. And as Solomon Kwai lay bleeding in the mud and snow, he watched a collection of clone commandos bring down the Inquisitor. And still, things get worse when the Lardies begin returning from the assault on Domju, loaded down with wounded. What happened to the mutters who flew south with the Joint Task Force? How did those raiders manage to pull off their attack on Vibus? And who was the clone with the lightsaber? Let's find out. Hey, trooper, get moving. At first, I had no clue what to do with the guy on the stretcher. But I remembered we left wounded in the shuttle bay, so I said I'd take the stretcher there. Seemed as good a place as any. It was a wide open room, and the structure was still intact, and with its own auxiliary power source for any medical gear. Good. I'll spread the word. Send medics there when they land. Be ready, trooper. Things are just starting. She wasn't lying. In minutes, the skies were swarming with lardies. The sonic booms peppered the air. And before I reached the shuttle pool, there was a trail of Lombada shuttles. The ships normally reserved for VIPs or anyone needed to show the flag. And DX9 blockade runners, all coming in from orbit. This was one of the very few times I was relieved to see buckets lumbering down a loading ramp. Give me a regular report, please. I kept moving. Helped out whenever I was asked. Stayed close to the lardies coming down. Moved stretchers. Even guided the walking wounded to the shuttle pool. That bay was filling up. Bodies on the ground, on blankets, tarps, row on row. Can we get some backs over here? We started putting people in the tank bay next door. By now, there were more Navy medics running around assessing the wounded. They cracked open windows to let the air flow. Snow blew in wisps. Shuttles from the Star Destroyer brought med droids too. And they were treating patients while the medical staff did everything they could to keep them alive. Let's prep this one. Everywhere you went, someone needed you to move a body. Mostly moving the wounded to make room for the more seriously injured. It was structured chaos, but not for long. Within hours, there were logistics guys setting up staging areas. 
Organizing the camp into something capable of housing the thousands of soldiers returning from that attempted offensive at Domju. An utter disaster, whose scope of failure was still being revealed. As shuttles landed, those who were able were put to work clearing buildings and setting up shelters and prefab medical facilities. The camp's hospital had been completely obliterated. The bandits straight up torched the place on their way in, laid down belts of plasma, then finished the job with heavy ordnance when they hit the ground. Now, I heard a lot of this stuff secondhand while moving wounded and talking to the guys that weren't so out of it. Kept my ears open when I was near officers or anyone in a clean uniform who looked like they knew something I didn't. I, need some more light over here. I was aware Camp Vibus had been hit hard, but the scale of the damage was unlike anything I thought possible. These guys, whoever the fuck they were, really caught us with our pants down. Then there were the stories I got from troopers who went out on the op. Oh, you should have seen it. Heavy cannon opened while we were on approach. They had dug in shielded gun positions. Fire was constant. Lardies dropping and assault teams setting up. First wave was penetrating the perimeter with the second advancing and then the, then the whole town just went up. But an explosion chain. There were civilians still in there. Shit was... Shit was fucked up. Everyone said the same thing. The fighting was intense, like a full-blown assault and counterattack with significant losses. And then, when we were in close, the place blew up. We're not talking about a few buildings, either. This is a town, more than eight square clicks of land. Anyone close? Dead. Get down! The only survivors were on the fringe, and that's where we found most of the wounded. Stay low! The troops in close? were torn to pieces from shrapnel and debris. People said it was plasma bombs that were buried deep, but they didn't know. No one knew for sure. But it's the only thing that made sense and it was more comforting than nothing, so it was accepted until something better came along. At this point, I'd been on the go for close to 24 hours and was riding high on a cocktail of pain meds and uppers. Which was kind of what I did, so I didn't notice that my leg wound was seeping through the back to foam. I was bleeding out and had no clue. Some naval medic came up to me, and their face was blurry. I remember it was blurry. Are you sure you don't need to sit down, trooper? That was my last memory before waking up in one of the barracks buildings. Not my barracks building, mind you. Some random one that was now a recovery ward. There were rows of us. I counted six. Thirty beds in each. The Empire loved its round numbers. All of us passed out, groaning. I didn't know how much time had passed. The room was dark when I woke up. Could have been the same night. Could have been longer. I saw a medic assessing someone across the aisle. Medical droids moving down the rows, ensuring we were alive. I laid under a sheet. Someone had stripped me down and hosed me off. I had the sterile scent of hospital soap, and my skin felt tight and too dry. But clean, so that was nice. My leg was elevated, and there was a fresh coating of Bacta on there. I felt itchy, but I was safe. Comfortable. 
You could hear the wind blowing outside over the din of shuttlecraft. Landing, taking off, then the snow and ice hitting the window. I drifted, in and out of sleep, always waking up to something new. Hey, asshole, wake up. It was Murray. You've been sleeping for almost two full days. Maybe you should get up and make yourself useful. I swear, every time anything big happens, you're always stuck in bed for a few days. I asked what time it was. 0940. He looked down at his bracelet. I was talking to that medical droid over there, and they said you should be out of here later today. Just need to run a few tests. I asked him what he was doing in there if I was on my way out, and then jokingly inquired if he was there to carry my bags or something. Not quite, Muffin. I just... I came here to make sure, you know. We took a lot of losses at Domju. At least a third of the platoon. They're still looking for survivors, but after so many days, I don't know. He got quiet, and I pressed him about the looking for survivors thing. And he went into detail that the explosions were so big, a wall of earth swallowed up our secondary assault wave. A few hundred of our own were buried alive. When the charges went off, the 79th was in the second group that got caught in the middle, still in range of debris, but not in the main blast zone. Sergeant Tobla and most of 3rd Squad were gone. 1st Squad too. 4th and 2nd came out the least bloodied, which wasn't saying much. Only a quarter of the platoon wasn't wounded. Even the LT was hurt. I was right beside Orta when the charges went off. He just popped off a few rounds and then boom, I was thrown back and put my arms up to cover my face as big chunks of timbers and duracrete flew past. LT got gashed pretty badly. Thankfully, I still had my bearings and dragged him to the fallback point and then went back for the others. It was chaos. When I asked how the LT was doing, he laughed. Better than you. He's been back at it since yesterday afternoon. Unlike your lazy ass, skipping out on the 12-hour shifts of manual labor. Ah, yes. The army loved putting us on labor duty. Keep us busy. No idle hands. We were putting in 12-hour days when we first landed, too. That had been the norm since the beginning, and no doubt it would be until everything at Vibus was back up to Imperial Standard. And I assumed that standard was about to be raised especially given the camp had been ransacked. Murray got up and looked out the window. It was sunny and bright. The snow reflected the light. It's good to see you're okay, man. Seriously. He looked down at me, almost relieved, then pulled out a tobacco stick before walking out. I sat up in my bed after that and watched people come and go. There were some really messed up troopers in that med bay. The injured that just stared at the ceiling, not speaking, and covered in hard foam bandages that just laid in the open air. I felt really shitty for them, and had some guilt mixed in there, because I'd taken my licks, sure, but these guys? Some of them would never be the same. A few hours later, I heard the door open as Corporal Vama walked in. He was our secondary medic who arrived with the replacement squad a few months back. I was always impressed by the way he moved. Shaq Talons. They're known for their ever-present elegance. The doc was no exception. 
He moved with grace, even when he scraped back to paste off my leg. Private Solomon Kawhi. You're due to get out today. Back to regular duties. When he spoke, I felt an immediate pain in my knee and ankle. My body had no desire to march and do whatever it was we'd be doing. The doc had me turn around and looked at the wound in my leg, which was now healed over. He poked, prodded me, then placed his hands on my upper back. He had me breathe while he watched a data readout from his bracelet. Got me to move my arms above my head, reach forward, all around. I see the ribs are doing okay. You might be a bit tender given the trauma your torso has sustained. But with the steady regimen of Bacta and mineral supplements, we'll have you at full soldiering capacity soon. And your shoulder has healed nicely. I assume you've been taking care of it, doing the stretches I recommended. I said I had been, even though I had no idea what he was talking about. My shoulder wasn't something I'd been concerned with. I asked him if it had been hurt during the battle and I just hadn't noticed. No. From the beating you and your squad mates took back in Floon Bay. Yes! The brothel. That was months back. I was shocked he remembered. Maybe he didn't remember and was just looking at my medical chart. I didn't care. I was grateful he was looking after me. It felt nice. Taken care of. Well, you're good to go, trooper. There's a fresh set of fatigues in the bin under your bed. Get dressed and head back to the barracks. You'll be on the duty roster before the day's out. Just take it easy. Listen to your body and go at pace. He gave me a nurturing smile and then moved on to the next bed. I got dressed and took note of the way the brand new uniform felt on my skin. It was fresh, crisp, dark gray, no stains, and smelled of factory sanitizers. I quickly realized that the second I walked into the barracks looking fresh and clean, the rest of the platoon would shit all over me. Wasn't all bad though. New shin guards, insulated helmet, and a heavy winter coat with gloves in the pocket. I stepped right out the front door, feeling the creak of Duraweave in my new boots. Those boots, loved them, still do. As I walked, I was surprised by how much Vibus had changed in just a few days. Buildings were already torn down, and new ones were going up. There was blast craters, scorch marks from the heavy blaster fire. The parade square was now filled with prefabs. I took a quick look, and it seemed like they were mostly temporary admin facilities, logistics, and planning. I imagined there were a lot of heated conversations going on inside. On my way, I must have taken a wrong turn and came face to face with a pair of buckets. Pointed their rifles right at me, then asked to see my identification. Don't move, trooper. TK number, now. I explained who I was, said I just got out of the infirmary while they ran the digits. Came out clean, but they were still hostile. I suggest you get back to your duties, Trooper Kwai. We've got your number. You keep going where you're not supposed to, you'll wind up in the brig for questioning. Understand? Assholes. Always assholes. I made my way to the barracks and walked through the door expecting everyone to mock me, but it was empty. 
and the bunks were stacked triple. The lockers had been moved. Couldn't even find my bed. Things looked neat, but weren't clean. Wouldn't pass inspection for sure. The beds were made even though the blankets weren't pressed and pulled tight. There were boot scuffs in the walkways between the bunks. Everything smelled of smoke. It was faint, muted, but there. I looked for my locker. It had a gouge from a vibroblade above the latch. I'd recognize it immediately, but I was interrupted when my bracelet went off. I was being summoned to the southeast wall, where Mondi and I had breached the camp after sprinting across the river. I could still hear the whir of arc engines, and that sound when it crashed into the ice. At least the walk there shed a bit of light on what my duties could be. Saw troopers working on construction projects, clearing debris. They were already putting up new repair bays, and one of them was particularly big. Bigger than anything we'd had on base before, and overflowed onto one of the Limmy fields. Must have been for a larger class of shuttles, transports, than we normally got. And next to that, more construction. A whole row of buildings. Ground haulers hovering over top, lowering cross beams into place. It was impressive to see, and it did give me some comfort. Since the attack, I'd been rattled, lost faith in our ability to hold ground. And here we were, days later, just days, already rebuilding, digging in deeper than before. I tapped my chest pocket. No sticks there, no lighter either. Fuck. The familiar buildings nearby triggered memories, flashes, blaster fire. I could hear the screams and smell charred flesh like it was happening again. But just as quickly as it began, the clanging of shovels and sonic hammers tearing away Duracrete drowned away the walking nightmare. As an open back shuttle rose up in front of me with a huge chunk of ship's plating on a winch line. This was it. This was where Mondi and I came through just a few days ago, trying to defend our base. Today, there were a group of troopers giving a building a fresh coat of paint as I rounded the corner into the clearing. This was the spot where we found the survivors fending off the raiders. Now, any debris from that firefight was gone. Blown speeders, crashed ties, all of it cleared up. The massive freighter had been chopped into pieces and piled outside the wall. Well, what was left of the exterior base wall. The damaged portions had been cut away and supplies were being stacked to replace it. That's when I noticed Sergeant Chintala and some of my squad mates. Kwai, good to see you back on your feet. And just in time, we're about to start putting this wall back up. As a greeting, she waved her hand towards the stack of raw crete and had me moving sacks up the scaffolding. Well, if it isn't the great defender of Camp Vibus. You sure a hero like you should be out here doing manual labor with grunts like us? Yeah, don't you have like a valet or steward to do stuff like this for you? 
Yeah, it probably does. Look at those nice clean grazies we're Smells like they came from one of those fancy-ass toilet laundry houses. Targon and Tolan. Fuck. I miss these assholes. I took grief from everyone, most of them mentioning my modified duties from the previous weeks. Others took shots at yet another one of my extended stays in the infirmary. I didn't even try to respond, because I knew them well enough to know they didn't mean it. Bed rest was great, the food in the infirmary was great, but there was no way I'd choose to be in there. No one would. No one who'd been in there anyways. They'd also been on the front lines of our biggest defeat since landing. They watched a shockwave rip almost half of our numbers to shreds. They heard the rumors about the raid though. That's why they were calling me a hero. Word got around that I'd been running all over the base, rallying soldiers and leading the last stand against the raiders. Most of what they heard was pretty ridiculous. Daring shootouts, one in a million sniper antics, all of that over-the-top hollow nonsense. The kind networks use to get an audience when the facts don't pull in big enough numbers. At our meal break, the rest of the platoon hit me up for details. That's when I told them about the colonel getting shot while trying to retake the admin facility, the standoff, the commandos in clone armor, the one in charge wielding a lightsaber. And as I spoke, silence. I asked what the admin building looked like now, and no one knew. That whole area was under control of the naval officers that had come down off the Star Destroyer, the Crossfire. The gossip was that a convoy from High Command was on its way to assess the situation. The attack had been a major breach, and heads were going to roll for it. I knew that if Colonel Gast were still alive, a trial would be underway to determine whether or not she would wind up in front of a firing squad. Regardless, it was great to be spending time with my unit again. I felt like I hadn't seen them in forever, instead of just a few days. Before the attack, we were all busy classrooms, drill squares. They don't lend themselves to shit talk. The shit talk, which really was the best part of the job, only ever happened during field work and manual labor. And I soaked it all in. We were out there for nine hours, dragging 50-pound bags of duracrete up and down scaffolding the whole time. Stupid and painful, but incredibly comforting. Almost nostalgic, because we did the same thing months earlier. As our shift ended, the sun came down, and the sky turned that cool purple hue which was accentuated by the snow on the ground. Hungrily, we dragged our asses to the mess hall, and as I walked in, I saw Mondahai with a steaming coffee in her hand. I was wondering when your sorry ass would be back on duty. I shot some barbs at her before finding out what happened to her during the raid. It was so dumb. I slipped while rounding a corner. Then that ARC-170 took a chunk of Duracrete off a building near me. She pointed at a fresh scar. I got smoked in the side of the head. I don't remember much after that. They found me passed out in a doorway to the rec center. 
I guess I was trying to sneak in a workout. She took a drag from her tobacco stick. Heard all about you, though. Making us scouts look good. I told her that all I did was get a bunch of FNGs and admin types to stay in formation long enough to keep them from pissing themselves. She would've and could've done the same thing. Yeah, except I'd be telling everyone the rumors of my feats of superhuman skill were true. Soak it in, dummy. I took one of her tobacco sticks and said it was hero tax. But what about, you know who, the Inquisitor? I played with the stick for a second, and as I rearranged my thoughts, there was a commotion from across the room. Oh, fuck this. The grumbling got louder as someone threw a projector onto the table and one of the local Hollownet channels popped up, showing a bunch of buildings blown apart. Hey, turn up the sound! This is the scene that is shocking the galaxy, as only a few days ago, the Imperial Star Destroyer Crossfire let loose a ground-leveling barrage from its turbo lasers that leveled the peaceful fishing community of Domju, killing more than 3,000 innocent civilians, including more than 700 children. That's bullshit! Those assholes blew it up! They killed those civilians, not us! The Hollow has already been getting considerable reaction from not just the citizens of Sestin Four, but across the galaxy, including the Galactic Senate, where it was publicly viewed for the first time as a diplomat from Naboo presented it to the Senate. As you can clearly see, the turbo lasers came down from orbit, and a barrage of that magnitude can only be produced by a ship as large as an Imperial Star Destroyer. And since there are no Mon Calamari battle cruisers within dozens of light years, it draws a fairly obvious conclusion, Mr. Speaker. It was just surreal to watch. Everyone in the room was quiet because we all knew it was lie after lie, but what was there to say? Our friends were bloodied and buried alive. And it was being used to score political points. You could look around the room and sense that serene rage. You could feel the heat sizzling like current. The Imperial representative was unable to address concerns of the Senate, but ensured the matter would be investigated and those responsible would be held accountable. Turn that shit off. Murray went outside for a smoke and I followed. So did Mondi. We gave each other a glance. It was a really confusing moment and I wondered for a second, just a second, if maybe the crossfire really did let loose a burst just by accident. It was possible. Mistakes happened. Maybe that's why there was no immediate response when Camp Vibus was attacked. You know, that was a bunch of separatist bullshit, right? Obviously. I was there, and I can tell you, those explosions came up from the ground. It was clear, and if there had been any type of bombardment from orbit, it would have been hard to miss. That footage was fake. And notice how none of it showed any mutters? That was true. I hadn't even noticed. It's propaganda, plain and simple. They did the same shit on my homeworld, only then it was the Republic. Old hat, man. But it'll work. Anyone who already dislikes the Empire will pass that shit around to their friends like a bunch of sacred scrolls, going, See? See? I told you! His words hung in the air as he lit the tobacco stick. He looked shaky, haunted by something. A memory? 
No one spoke, just dragged on the sticks. The snow fell in these big, fluffy clumps. The smoke from our sticks would swirl around and dance alongside them. We made our way back to the barracks, which was a bit of a hike. Even though it was technically off hours, the camp still buzzed. Vibus was all go all the time, on a 24-hour plan until the defenses were back up. Who knew how long that'd take? When we got back to the barracks, the exhaustion hit. It had only been a few hours earlier that I'd been in the infirmary, and my body let me know it. Mondi showed me my cot because the scouts were now mixed in with everyone. No separation. She then started to go on about who was where, but I couldn't keep up. I was too wiped. The beds were triple bunk beds, and mine was the worst spot, right in the middle. It was my cot, though. My home, where I carved my name, which happened just a few days after we got the building put up and started sleeping indoors. That was months ago. Almost a year. So much had happened since. I dropped my boots and threw myself onto the bare mattress and was out before my head hit the pillow. Nine hours later, our bracelets went off in unison, and I smacked my head into the cot above as I sprang into action. Hey! Easy down there! I'm awake! It was Altherium, the greatest detonator thrower the Imperial Army ever produced, and a 79er from the very beginning. Oh, Kwai! What's up, man? I didn't know that was you when I got in last night. Saw you on the wall yesterday but I was lying crate on the far side. We talked a bit while getting ready for duty, but I lost him on my way to the mess hall. I wound up sitting with Mondi again. So... I didn't know what she was getting at, but she was giving me a knowing look, and then she prompted me with her coffee. The Inquisitor? I laughed and then began relaying everything to her in hushed tones. It all felt taboo, like this was something best left in the past. There was a cold feeling in my stomach that got worse the more I remembered. The way she was cut down. Like she was more than the rebels that killed her. That they weren't worthy of her death. That they sullied her memory. And I couldn't figure out if seeing her die made me angry she was dead or angry that I knew even with power like hers, the Empire could still bleed. And that confusion gnawed at me. She's still in your head though. You hearing her voice and all that? I wasn't. I hadn't heard it at all. But I didn't have time to answer before we were up and heading back to the wall for a few hours of hard labor. That became the routine, and it would have been comforting if it weren't for the physical strain. Those of us who'd been there since the beginning cracked a lot of jokes and told stories about our arrival when we built this camp from nothing. Though most of us laughed, eventually it would be weighed down by the memory of those who were there, but were now gone. Two days of working on the wall and I finally saw Orto. I knew he survived the assault down south, but seeing him just felt really good. 
that didn't mean I was excited to hang out with him over a jar of Kang Tree, because I didn't, and still wouldn't, but knowing he was around was comforting. I always knew he'd get us through whatever shit happened. That's what he did. I watched him as he walked up to Sergeant Kyra. They spoke for a minute, nothing too chummy. Then the sergeant called up to us. Kwai, Mondahai, front and center. I was down the wall a bit, working alongside Tolan when I heard the orders. Mondi was pulling down scaffolding. We got there quick. LT was looking more rigid than normal. Both of you, come with me. Mondi glanced over at me with curiosity as we followed along behind Orto like a couple of pets. You're both to be questioned by Imperial Intelligence in regards to what happened during the attack. He stopped and turned back. I recognized that look, like concern, carved in wood. I saw the same look when we flew out a few weeks ago, after that incident with the kid and the team. Keep your answers direct. Don't elaborate unless prompted. Don't add any inference to your story. Just give them enough to satisfy. Understood? His message felt protective. Was he trying to keep us safe? And from what? I didn't know. And didn't need to. He never questioned his instincts, so if he spoke and gave insight, advice, anything, you shut your mouth and listened. What happened to the mudders who flew south with the Joint Task Force? How did those raiders manage to pull off their attack on Vibus? And who was the clone with the lightsaber? That's next time on Episode 13, Somehow They Return. Thank you for joining me this week on Fearless Fred Presents Mud 79, a Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you follow the show so you'll never miss an episode. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps grow the show and will make my contemptible harpy of a producer very happy. We're available for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever else you get your favorite streaming audio. You can also listen at CuriousCast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and a full listing of Mud79's cast. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fearless underscore Fred or email me at mud79 at curiouscast.ca. This show is hosted and written by me, Fred Kennedy, and Dila Velasquez, the Harpy, our producer. Sound design is by moi, and final production is by Rob Johnson. See you next week for more Mud 79.